Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Uh, welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis. Uh, this is a good. This is a great podcast. Really uh, different topics for sure uh, as far as training and, and the routes that we go of understanding the cores of why dogs uh, misbehave and why dogs push bound push boundaries and uh, this is a do, uh, po- sorry not a doodle I'm so used to saying doodle this is a poodle eight month old um, and this is an individual that uh, is just you know getting taken advantage of the dog is jumping and nipping and um, really getting away with a lot of stuff so as you guys know, in a lot of my podcasts, it's like, hey, this, these are the external behaviors. These are the things that are happening. And if we really take a look at their relationship, it's pretty clear to see exactly why all these things are happening and, and how to overcome some of these things as well. So uh, just a really great podcast to walk people through how to get a better behaved dog, as well as we do a little bit of training just because the picture quality was good and the network was good. And so just like we wa- we talked through the entire thing of why these things happen. And then at the end, she demonstrated really clearly, hey, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm like, boom, right there. That's exactly what we're talking about. So we went over this whole, this is why your dog doesn't listen to you. This is why your dog doesn't respect you. This is why your dog is taking advantage of you. And then she's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And at the end, it was like, and then I was like, let me see how you would handle her. And then I was able to show her exactly what I was talking about. So it was really cool. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. As always, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training pod, uh, dog training questions at the end of the podcast. If you guys want me to answer your dog training questions and you're listening to this on an iTunes review or an iTunes podcast platform, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review and your question, and I'll answer it at the end of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Spotify, do me a solid favor. We do this absolutely for free. We're the number one dog training podcast in the country right now and growing in other countries, and it's amazing. Uh, leave a review. Support the channel. We put a lot of work into this, uh, and, and hopefully it's helping uh, many of you out at home. We also just released our No Bad Dogs crew collaboration. My favorite local coffee company asked me to do a collab with them and we're giving back to shelters across the United States who need funding. So we're raising money. Uh, It's a great cup of coffee and uh, we didn't just slap beans in a bag and branded it. We actually spent a lot of, my wife and I spent a lot of time sniffing and and doing the whole the whole thing you know tasting and, and everything so the link is in the description below it's a great christmas gift and or it's a great uh, gift just in general for yourselves it's got a huge no bad dog branding on the front so it's nice to have in the kitchen or in the studio or in your shop um so anyway link is in the description support the no bad dog movement and enjoy the podcast talk to you at the end sweet here we go morning good morning <laughs> One is she's eight months old, so I understand um, this is adolescence as well. But lately, um, in the past two weeks, she's been jumping and biting at me, and I've tried turning around and walking away. She just bites my butt. I try to walk into her. Um, she just keeps jumping. Um, I've tried, you know, like at her and put my hand in her face and kind of invade her space and that helps a little bit, but, um, it's a little bit, I feel out of control with it. 
And the other thing is um, we just moved to an open office concept temporarily. And so I don't know if that's part of it, but she's been demand barking a lot, um, which she didn't previously really used to do. And so I don't know if I can, I don't know if you want me to try and um, show you how she like lunges and bites at me. No. It's not all the time. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. I, I have a pretty good idea of of what that okay. looks like. Um, you said she's eight months, right? Uh-huh. How old is, or what's her name? Her name's Junie. Junie. So sweet. She's a doodle, yeah? Poodle. Poodle. Standard? Yeah. Yes. Cool. Cool. I just saw the fur and just, you know, I see so many doodles, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like the doodle look, but yeah. I wanted a poodle. Yeah. So, um, the okay so all of the all of the things that you're talking about is is literally like the same type of stuff so it's it kind of falls under the same why these things are happening and so it's uh-huh. it's 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 a mixture of things but the the way to move past it uh is is going to be under one umbrella, but it's, 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 yes, it's puppyhood. Yes. It's frustration and attention grabbing type of behaviors. And that's normal, you mm-hmm. know, for, for really any dog. Um, my dog will even do it. Like if, uh-huh. if, if I'm sitting somewhere, she'll come up and put her, her head under my hand and say like, Hey, let's go do something together. It's very normal. But there's mm-hmm. a, there's a way to be like, Hey, I'm busy or not right now and, and be able to move past that. And that's something that, so that's something that you're not able to do likely. And that's also the cause of why she's doing it is you're not able to say, Hey, get away from me. Um, this is, this is too much. So it's this, Uh it's this kind of this belt behavior, we'll call it a behavioral belt. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what it comes down to is your, your overall relationship is what causes this type of behavior. So mm-hmm. once it gets past, like you can look at it and say, oh yeah, she may be bored or she may want something, which that may be the truth. But once it's habitual and continual, then it just becomes very opportunistic, bratty behavior where she's like, mm-hmm. hey, this mm-hmm. is, hey, I want your attention. Hey, you're doing something. I also want to do this. So it, there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole process of how this works. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you have to teach her how to behave and you have to teach her what you want her to do because if not, she's just going to keep instinctually jumping on you for attention. Okay. So how do I teach her that? Yeah. How do I teach her not to jump and bite me? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, again, is um, I would just put a leash on her and start working on Because, again, this is the, – the reason why she's jumping is because your relationship. Like dogs who do uh-huh. this – are this kind of I'm picking on you, antagonizing you. It's very brother sister type thing. It's not uh-huh. anything other than that. It's just this antagonistic, and 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 she sees that in you. Like she sees your, she sees like you'll get frustrated. You'll raise your voice. You'll say, "Hey, You're like no, knock it off, don't." And you'll she'll see that frustration, and then she'll even hit you harder if you will. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a, an obvious frustrating problem for you as well, because she's basically getting a rise out of you as a dog owner. And that's, that's, you got to be careful how that goes because then she'll understand how to manipulate you and figure out 
you know, how to push your buttons. So for me, it's really about kind of molding that relationship back down to what is appropriate and what's not. And that's really every dog owner's relationship. It's just some things are more serious than others. And so what I would do is like, that's why if I, like oftentimes when I, when I used to do in-homes before I had a facility, I'd go to people's houses and I would do Mm -hmm. just like this. I'd go into your home and I'd say, Hey, what's going on? You'd say, Hey, this is my dog. And she jumps on me and whatever. And then I would say, Oh, just grab your leash really quick because there's, you have to be able to enforce certain things uh, in order for Mm -hmm. the dog to understand it. Like you have to have that clear accountability so when a dog is jumping all over me, I don't have accountability. Like I can push the dog off, boom, she hits me again. I could say off, I could say no, I could scold her, and I could yell at her in her face and point my finger at her and she's going to be game on. She's going to come back for more. I could get treats out, she'll sit, as soon as the treats go away, boom, she's right back up again. So really what I like to do that's that's the most sustainable, especially for a, a dog at this age, at this puppy kind of tr- transferring over into adulthood. So the size of a, an adult dog, but you know, kind of the mentality of a puppy, just using that leash to pop, Mm -hmm. just pop the collar off. You just tell the dog off. And so really quickly dogs figure out what they can get away with and what they can't with with certain people. So that's, that's how I would start this. She, I've tried. So I, um, like she'll do it sometimes when we're about to go on a walk. So she's on a leash. I use either your um, your slip lead or a prong collar. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't respond to it. So I'll either step on the leash so she can't jump or I'll pull it up to try and do a pop. But it, I think she's just so excited. It doesn't register with her. Okay. Um, yeah, it could be that, or your timing could be off or your collar could be misplaced as well. Cause all of those things uh-huh. would, account for this not working. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would I would say that there's a mixture of things. The other thing that I, I think the bigger thing I should mention is just the simple like uh, how you're doing it too. So if a dog comes up and jumps and you're pulling down, it's not going to be effective either. So you have to make sure that you're like popping and you're you're doing it really like really clearly. So I think it's just timing for you. Like as soon as she comes up, like you can't wait for her to have her paws on your chest and like be sitting there. Like, and then you pull uh-huh. her down and you can't wait for her to be like up in the air. Like you have, you have to, you have to pop that collar down. So what you don't want to do is when she comes up, you don't want to like pull her down and say, Hey, get down. Hey, get off. Come on. Like uh-huh. you really just want to be more assertive is, is the moment she comes up, you just pop that leash. So it's that, it's, it's that pop that you're. You're trying to get. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I've just I don't think I've ever been able to get that pop right, even mm-hmm. like when we're on walks and the jumping. And when when you say jumping, do you mean the jumping and biting? Because I'm more, yep. I'm like bruised up from her biting, which I thought was over. But yeah, it's all the it's all the it's same. All so it's it's whatever. That's what I'm saying is like that, that type of behavior is the same behavior. It's, 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 it's picking, punking, okay. like, Hey, the, it just, it's very antagonistic. That, I mean, that's what dogs do to one another. And, and so uh-huh. you, you just have to make sure that you're just, 
<clears throat> at the end of the day, she's she's doing it because you're not doing anything about it that she cares about. So she's so it's kind of like robbing mm. the bank and what are you gonna do about it type thing. And so you just mm-hmm. have to be you have to you have to be a little bit more assertive. And it it doesn't take long to like get <clears throat> get to that point. Like she's just and <clears throat> but the thing is is she will do this like with so many things like she'll just it's it's not so much that she's jumping and she's biting she just won't listen to you across the board because of your accountability so anything that you say to uh-huh. her doesn't have enforcement behind it there's no accountability behind it there's no uh consequence behind it it just it's I'm going to do this and you're like oh don't uh-huh. and then I'm going to do this okay don't you're it's like a toddler like I have nieces and they're young and so it's like if uh-huh. if you're like hey no don't touch this the, by the time you're already like pulling them away from this they're already over here doing this and you're just constantly putting out these fires so uh-huh. you just have to make sure that when you say something out of your mouth that it means something and that's where you're overall so it's not just the biting or the jumping it's going to be her going and getting a package and running around the room with it or her grabbing some yeah yeah exactly grabbing something off the table and running away she she doesn't have anything in her head that when you say hey knock it off or give me that there's nothing in her head that goes oh i don't want to get in trouble it's it's only just you chasing her around and reacting to her behavior verbally or physically, but right now there's no consequence for any of this action. Therefore, why would she? Why would she change? Okay, so I hear that and so leave it. So say she's chewing on a package as she is now. What is the consequence for that? Uh, yeah. Is, so uh-huh. realistically, it would be what you just did is kind of take it away, but. That's not going to okay. be sustainable. What it comes down to is you – okay, you don't have the control to control her at all, period. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it doesn't matter what you throw at me. It's going to be what if she package? What if she jumps? What if she pulls? What if she barks? What if she howls? What if she – It does. It, you can throw anything at me. It's because when you say, hey, Junie, no, she's like, Phew. yeah, okay, sure, uh-huh. Yep. So the leash pop will be well, just the a consequence. Yeah, it could be. I, I think it, you know. To me, it's not so much about. I mean, to get granule in your particular situation, I think the beginning idea would be yes, the leash pop would be your correction. But I think just in general as a whole, I want you to understand that it's just the correction or the lack thereof. The correction is ultimately why she continues to push at you. She There's no okay. reason for her not to go and do stuff. And she's a puppy. She's going to get into stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing unusual about that. That's what makes dogs funny. But when you look at her and you say, hey, drop it or leave it, right now your verbal cue to her to say, I want you to do this, whether it's drop or leave it or no, there's nothing in her head that clicks that says, I don't want to get in trouble. And uh-huh. that's what I'm talking about. So I, I I would love for, for me to be able to just give you this secret. Oh, well, when she's chewing on a package, you clap your hands and, you know, go get a lemon off the counter. There's just nothing. It's It's an overall, like, fundamental, basic foundation of everything that she does that you don't want her to do 
at this point because she's a puppy. So she's going to get into the packages and she's going to jump and she's going to say, and she's going to pick at you and she's going to grab your shirt. And she's going to jump behind you and she's going to grab, she's going to do all this stuff because that's what puppies do. That's not abnormal. And we're not like, why is this happening? But the reason why it's going to continue to boil over and pop up in other places is because the underlying like, hey, leave it. And she's not like getting down and going, Oop. there's got to be like a little bit of fear of getting in trouble. And that right now doesn't exist in, and to make it more generalized, just think about in society, if we had no fear of getting into trouble, like we could do anything, we can smash windows and take whatever, I mean, in some cases that's happening in places, but you know what I mean? Like you have to make sure that there's some sort of consequence and it could be, so getting granule to you, it could be. Sure, the leash popping, it could be like what I would do with her right now is I would put the slip leash on, I would put it right behind her ears, and then I would be literally starting to immediately work on impulse control and accountability. Excuse me. And so, what I would do is I would do two things is I would say, uh, Juni, sit, and then that's typically what you know, dogs know. And then she may, uh-huh. because here's the thing is, I want you to understand is. I'm going to play this out and I want you to look at the bigger picture here. So Junie sit and she may be looking at you like sit now inside here on the what? Like, and she may be like, I don't, this is not, where's the treat? Why are we, you know? So, so at that moment, like you asked her to do something and she may, she may then be like, I'm not doing that. And then you would give her some sort of accountability. So you would hold the leash pressure up. She would go into a sit um, or you would pop the leash and you'd go, she'd go into a sit. So at that moment is what I'm talking about is your – so your relationship as an overall, if you ask her to do something that she knows that you've developed over time and she's like, I'm not doing that. And then you hold her accountable but you – it's a mental game. So you hold her accountable – and then you hold her accountable for all these other things, your relationship overall will start to change because she knows that there's some sort of consequence when you ask her or tell her to do something. And right now at scale, think about the amount of times you've looked at her and said, don't do this, and she does it, and then you just go, I'm on a call, or I'm busy, or whatever. And that for her is like her overall relationship and that confidence of not, like you're well you're not going to do anything that's like her mentality of like this playful thing and so those are the things i would start to be doing is getting her out on a leash i'd say junie sit she doesn't leash pressure correction immediately like hey i'm not gonna just i'm not saying this because i want to talk i'm saying this because i want you to sit and you start doing things like that and then you get her kibble out with a bowl right so you put her kibble in a bowl and she's like whoa cool and she may be jumping and then boom off doop she jumps, she boom, off, boom. And then she sits there mm-hmm. patiently and she wiggles her butt and she's sitting. You take a piece of kibble out, you pay her, good off. You pay her just, mm-hmm. and you just teach her very clearly like you would with a child. Like, this is very good behavior. You're sitting here very politely, minding your own business. You're not screaming like, this is great. We love this. More of this, please. And so you just work through the kinks of basic, what we call operant conditioning. Uh, it's basically just yes and no, teaching manners, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that kibble. And then you put the cable bowl down and she's – you good? Zooming across. Sorry. That's okay. I just saw your eyes go like 
this, so I didn't know. Yeah, that's so, the dog. <laughs> so if if you put that bowl down, like you take a you take a food bowl and you put it down, and then uh, she's imme- li- likely, and again generalizing, she's she's gonna go, ooh, that you know, food, perfect. It's down. This isn't dinner time, but whatever. And then you you say leave it, and then you give her again. You just give her a leash pop, and you start working on that filter of. You can't just do whatever you want when you want. That's a that's a that's the best way to create anxiety and stress and anarchy and lack of boundaries, lack of respect. It's like the best way to have your dog be the most out of control as possible is to say, "Hey, do whatever you want." And you know, life's just going to work itself out. I mean, this is an animal that you're trying to live with a human and it doesn't work like that. So, as soon as you start putting like, "No, you can't have that until I release you. And you start putting these thresholds on. So she'll start looking at you a little differently like, oh, like I can't just do whatever. And that's what's happening when she's getting stimulated in the morning and she's like, you're up, you're up, the doing, doing, doing. And she's doing all these things and she's barking mm-hmm. and she's nipping you. And this is – these are all things of why not? Like why wouldn't you do this? It's like as a dog owner, you're like, well, it's annoying and it hurts and I'm yelling at her. She doesn't care about that. Like dogs are yeah, yeah. animals. They do not care about any of that. And you can't just ignore it because you're going to get bruised up and mm-hmm. all the stuff, you know. So, But again, I think at a bigger scale as a, just a dog owner, being a, and being in the professional world of this, it just creates a really unhealthy relationship because you guys are glorified roommates that love each other, but there's no respect. It's like you buy all the groceries. She comes in, eats the whole thing, looks at you like, sup, peace. Like I'm going to go lay down now after I just ate all your groceries. Like there's just no respect there. It's just I do what I want mm-hmm. when I want to do it. And so um, I just want you to to understand that as a whole, that once you start cracking down on accountability – and mm-hmm. consequences for actions, very clear. Like anything that she's doing right now has to have a little bit more repercussion because that's that's really your big – like you're not – again, like the reason why I'm being so confident about it is because everything that she's doing right now is not like, holy shit, really? Wow, eight-month-old you know, poodle taking <laughs> uh-huh. advantage of you. Mm, interesting. It's yeah. just like <laughs> – it's very normal. Um, so I would just get back down to the the basics of uh, almost I want to say like gatekeeping and hey, this is here, but you can't have it until I release you, and that's going to be new for her because she's so used mm-hmm. to just. And I want to take a step back because sometimes when I talk to clients, it's well, no, I make her sit before we do X, Y, and Z. But what I want to point out is how many times do you have to tell the dog to sit before that actually is accomplished and when the dog gets up and then goes for the food after you've said sit and stay is she getting just pulled back or is she getting corrected for it because there's a big difference between the dog actually being corrected and just putting the dog right back where they came from because that's Mm -hmm. again I think a false security that a lot of dog owners have is when a dog say you put a dog into a sit and a stay you put a piece of food down to say, hey, we're going to work on impulse control and I'm going to start working on putting me first. That, and that's mm-hmm. something that that we just discussed. And mm-hmm. she just, boom, gets out of her sit and lunges. And then you're like, you put her you put your, her butt back down, you pull on the leash, no, sit. And then literally she's like, but there's food, boom. And she gets up and we just do this for like 
X amount of time and you have to understand that at scale, she's not actually listening to you. She's mm-hmm. just politely waiting for this moment to just flee. And you should be able to, like for impulse control, you should be able to put that food down, tell her to sit, and then she looks at you, she's licking her lips, she's excited, and then you just say, Junie, come. And you should be able to recall her away from the food yet again and have that control. And just that's the that's just what you want to practice in, with your dog is just that obedience of – I want you to listen to me and then after, you know, after we, that's what you're doing is you're practicing your obedience and your manners and your communication with your dog, your impulse control, your thresholds, your gatekeeping, whatever you want to call it, because Mm -hmm. we still want her to be the funny Junie that we know and that we love, but when she does certain things instinctually because she's the dog, like maybe nips you because she gets excited or she jumps up and down. You need to be able to be like, Hey, off. And she's like, Oh, sorry, too much, too much. And you're like, yeah, too much. But that, (laughs) but that off actually matters. And right now, because of the lack of accountability, when you say stuff, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then this is really helpful. Thank you. So should I keep the slip lead on her at all times in the house? Okay. So in the beginning, possibly, um, especially if you have an, uh, uh, an availability to work from home or to work around her like you are now, if you know you were working mm-hmm. with me, it would be like, yeah, because you can make yourself what we call a, uh, a tab leash. So essentially it's just your – yeah, it's your slip – like if you were to take my slip leash, right, uh-huh. and you put it on her and you put it nice and snug. It's right behind your ears and then you cut it and then you and then you like say there's a, like a foot of string. You'd cut it and then you'd make like – you'd make like a little ball and then it would just hang off her at like four inches. Oh. So that uh-huh. way like if – if because again, I know that there's this um, – when you're diving into this, okay, I'm going to start holding my dog accountable type of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, it's going to be a new, like for same thing with people. Like I'm going to hold myself accountable for a diet or whatever, whatever are uh-huh. a, I, I should get better at this as a lifestyle. It's going to be hard in the beginning, but that's what obedience is in general is just having that self-control of like not eating 16 cookies and maybe eating one or none. You know, it's like, it's, uh-huh. it's just how we live our lives too. Yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, it's harder. But once you get into a groove and you mentally like, okay, this is how life is. Like, I can do this. And I think it's about confidence. Telling yourself that you're going to do something and then following through is the best way to give yourself confidence as well. I've learned that over time uh-huh. with everything that I do. And when you're with her, when you tell her, uh-uh, leave it. Like if she were to be on the uh, the the Amazon package there or whatever that was – you could just go over and say – you can grab the leash and say, leave it. And if she's like – you know, gets – you just pop – nope, ah, ah. And then you give her that correction and she stops. Good, leave it, and you take it away. But having that direct enforcement or um, accountability by having that honor is is what you're going to do in the beginning. And I want to point out too that um, – you know, there's so many different ways to be working with animals and to be working with dogs, but I, I specifically work with pet owners on things like this. And over the times of doing this, this is the best 
way to effectively, because th- my point is, is in the future, I don't want you to have to have any equipment on her. I want you to just say, Junie off. She's like, okay, Junie, leave it. Okay. Junie, go to your bed, stay. Like right now, if you had a nice place, stay while you're on the phone or you're eating dinner or you're talking to a friend or whatever, you would, you would just be able to live like a happier life. And that's what I think in general, what obedience is, is, and it's the same thing with students, uh, coworkers, employees, kids. It's like, Hey, we're, you know, Hey, we're going through the airport. I want you to hold my hand, make sure we don't touch this, make sure we, you know, all these things to make sure like, and obedience isn't this, like I'm in charge, I'm ruler, I'm King. It's, I mm-hmm. am an adult and I, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this because that's what is in your best interest, you know? So, right. so I, I just, I'm, I want to make sure that the narrative is clear that you're not trying to control everything she does. But right now, the reason why she's picking on you is because your lack of accountability and your overall foundation. And so having that tab leash and having that four inch leash just kind of hang off and that way when mm-hmm. she jumps off, you can hold it and grab it quick. So. Okay, I like that. I'll make it. Uh, do you sell your green slip lead online? Because I only bought one at your LA seminar. We. I like how lightweight it is. We do. Um, we. We yes. The answer is yes. Yes. The answer is yes. I don't know if we have the green one. We have a smaller one that's a little bit smaller. It's the orange. It's like the orangish one. It has the orange tab. Okay. And I was just down there last night, and I know we have them. So they they should be on the site. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so if you want to order like two then, of those, you could, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then so would you say then the demand barking falls under this thing or am I giving in to her asking for attention? Both. But that's what I mean is one goes into the other. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's, it's, it's all in the same. It's all in the same thing. Okay. So you just have to, again, like, okay, so she comes up. So if I I like, I like to tell people, or I like to tell this to people that like, um, you, her demand barking, she feels like that's appropriate to do. She feels like that's okay to do to you. Mm -hmm. Like, she's like, yeah, I can do this. Like, um, and and I just, you know, over time, like I get it that she wants attention. She wants something, but for her, like there's a way and a time, right? So for her to come over and go, mom, 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 and just bark and bark and bark and bark. I mean, that is a, like, think about if a kid did that, right? It's just, yeah. mom, you're, you're sitting there having a conversation with me. It's like, mom, 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 mom. There's no like, dude, I'm, I'm. I'm busy right now or go to your, go to your bed, lay down. You just, so I just, there's part of me that wants to tell you that as a professional, I want you to understand that if your dog is habitually like basically attention barking, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Like she thinks that that's appropriate for her to do. Same thing with like the jumping and same thing with like jump, like nipping at any part of your body, a dog that has that no filter of I'm going to push as many boundaries as I can and I can do whatever I want with you is more of a, you need to zoom out a little bit and go like, wow, she thinks that that's okay to do to me. But it's, again, it's not so much like "Mm, the demand barking or the nipping or this. It's all because, you know, that's your relationship Mm -hmm. is she's picking on you. That's like the best way I can tell you is she's being antagonistic and she's picking on you and she's, 
And, and I don't want her not to be a dog, but at the same time, it's like with kids, like we want kids to be joyous and fun and they bring light to our lives and it's great and it's like cool. But when they're acting out, we're not like, oh, they're just being kids. It's like, no, they're drinking bleach. Quit the shit. Correct them. Slap it out of their hand. Like, you know, and, and, and of course, there's a lot of variables there, but it's it's really the same principles of just making sure that whatever they're doing, I mean, if you're like, hey, no, that's the bleach. And they're like, I don't listen to mom. And they just, you know, what? that's the circumstances mm-hmm. that you're dealing with is your dog is like, I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to do this to you. And I'm going to do this to you. And you're like, no. And they're like, Psh, tell me what to do. We don't have that relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it is that, yes. Um, you know, if she thinks that, if she thinks, I mean, there's a reason why she's doing it, you know? So. Yeah. Okay. And then, so I, I get the overall envelope I need to work on. Uh-huh. Um at your LA seminar, I asked you this, but I'm still confused about walks, right? So I asked if you always walk your dog in a heel position. You said, no, you, you let your dog kind of do its dog thing. Mm-hmm. But if I do that, I try to, I used to like switch between heel and break and go sniff around. I think our relationship's not strong enough that she comes back to me and we go on a proper walk. So in, in her, in our case, would you keep her in a heel or at least close by without distractions as much as possible or let her sniff? Um, it is, it is difficult because your dog has to go outside for a walk. But I, I think what I would be focusing on is like I was, so for an example, and and I don't know if I said this at my seminar or not, but for an example, like what I always tell people is, um, I, my dog, like if I were to put my dog on a, on a leash and go around my neighborhood right now, she would be in front of me unless I told her she couldn't be if she's on a leash at all. Cause to be honest in my neighborhood, I'll just let her off, but I have that control. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's something that, you know, it's, it, when you're asked, it's like every, you know, I just shouldn't say this, but like if, if all the adults in the room know how to drive a car, I'm like, Oh, we're all getting into a car. The person that's driving is the person that's driving. That doesn't mean that like, oh, nobody else in the car knows how to drive. It's like, no, they are driving. Like that's their job right now. They are doing that. Mm-hmm. They are they have the wheel. That doesn't mean that nobody mm-hmm. else can drive. And so when you're out with your dog, you want to have that like mm-hmm. that switch on and off. You want to be able to say, mm-hmm. Junie, heel. She's like, okay, boom, I know what that is. I'm right in position. I'm walking with you. I'm paying attention. I'm on a loose leash. And then you're like, Junie, break. Then she can be a dog. The problem that I think a lot, a lot of dog owners have is you don't have a long enough heel in a realistic environment, for an example, outside to do much. So you're like, I can only really heal for five to 10 steps. And, and that's something that like we deal with when we're training puppies or we're training new rescue dogs on stuff. And so you don't want to, again, you don't want to ask the dog to do something that they can't do and it's not fair for you to enforce because they don't have the longevity of like I've never swam that far how do you expect you know it's like that's kind of the thing you have to make sure that they know how to do it so you would almost peel back a little bit and work on your healing duration and your healing distance to build that out and it's just like with human cardio right it's like I've never 
ran in my life. So we're going to start with a half a mile. And then the next day we're going to do a little bit more. And the next day we're going to do a little bit more. So you're building that up. I wouldn't be able to say like, oh, you've never ran before. Let's go kick five miles. It's like, no, that's Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. So you just have to build it out. Um, So I think that that's where the confusion is happening maybe with you. and, and, And again, like a lot of other my clients is they want to go on a half a mile walk, but their dog can only heal successfully for 10 steps. And that's normal. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay for you to let your dog have the majority of the walk on a break. But what I would be doing is in the morning, fasting your dog, no breakfast, super food motivated, um, have a mixture of their kibble and treats in a pouch, and then go outside and start working on engagement and working on that distance and that distraction using your boundary system. So you're using your boundary system as as a bumper system. Like that's how we teach mm-hmm. dogs as a whole is errant, wrong. Yep, that's good. Errant, wrong. Yep, that's uh-huh. good. And of course, because dogs don't understand English, we're using tools to help get our point across. And certain tools work better for certain people and for certain dogs. That's why we utilize them. So if, mm-hmm. and, and that's something I think a lot of people get caught up on is it's not the tools that some people have a hard time with. It's some people actually have a hard time telling their dogs no, they think love and attention and affection is going to train their dogs, which is, you know, ludicrous, um, in my opinion. But so that, that's what I would be working on if I were you is you have to, you have to go out and make, you have to go out and make your, you have to make you more valuable than the environment. And sometimes that's virtually impossible to do, but you have to Uh be creative to figure out how you're going to do this. So what I like to do with my clients, uh, it depends on where you live. Um, you know, obviously, you know, some of my clients live in downtown Manhattan. Some of my clients live in the middle of Texas. So it just depends on what you have, but I typically just stake out like a tree or mailbox or some sort of land landmark. Mm -hmm. You're like, all right, Junie heal. And you're going to work on that heel until that landmark. And you're going to work on your leash pressure and your leash pressure is like, "Uh -uh, nope, you pass that boundary. And that's where the pop comes in. So it's kind of like this alarm of like, "Er um, but you're using food or some sort of engagement or some sort of motivation to keep the dog, you know, in, into that position. And then when you get to that landmark, you may, okay, break. And then you break the dog. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. That's yes. generally what I'm doing. We do need to work on the heel. Um, I'll do it with no breakfast like you suggested. Yeah. And then also She's very food motivated. Good. That's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Use that to your advantage. Say, Hey, Look, and, and then if, you know, if you want to really amp it up, get like some, I use, I use, uh, Stewart's, uh, pro treat beef liver, um, because they come in like big blocks, like chunky blocks. And I can use one piece uh-huh. of food for like a good amount of time. And so anyway, so you could do like contact food luring, like you put her head is like, right, like licking the treat out <coughs> as you go. But oh, the other thing that I would suggest is doing, which you saw at the seminar often is. Like inside and outside turns. So just so yeah. getting getting the dog physically engaged with you as well because, you know, there is a difference between physical engagement and mental engagement. Um, but that's what I would do is like do your drawbacks, do your inside turns, do your outside turns, um, work on getting the dog. Like you have to have fun with your dog. You have an eight-month-old dog, you know, walking around, uh, I would assume, the L.A. area with all this stuff going on and you like – you're walking around Disneyland and you're like, Hey, look what I got. They're like, 
I don't give a shit about that. Look at this. There's Mickey Mouse. You know, there's a there's a hobo over there in a Santa suit. <laughs> you know, you 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 have to say, hey, come, yes, good, heal, yes, sit. Like you have to really, um, especially at that age, because they're starting to mature into a, an adult, but at the same time, they're still, you know, puppyish. So, again, like you, I I would suggest don't try to go. Like if you're going to go 20 feet, you don't have to go forward 20 feet. You can turn every five feet to try to get that duration and just teach the dog that the heel is fundamentally you at my left side on a loose leash. It doesn't matter if I'm turning inside to you or outside of you or turning around and going the other way. When I say heel, you have to stay in this pocket. And I think that that also encourages dogs to not get so tunnel visioned. Because when we heal a dog on a, like for an example, on a sidewalk, you know, going straight, when we say heal and we're like, okay, we're going to get 20 steps in this heel. This is going to be great. This is going to be the longest one we've done. Dogs tend to get into this, like they, they put their head down, they put their nose down and it just makes it harder for you to gain things. That's why, again, like you see in that seminar that I did, I, I would just, if, if I'm with a dog that isn't paying attention to me at all, which a lot of times they're not because, you know, when I get a dog for the first time, they don't know anything and they don't know me. So I'll, I'll walk forward and then I'll immediately draw back like a, like a quarterback and I'll just say, come. And then I'll draw back. And the dog typically won't recall with me because they're not used to following the human. They're used to doing whatever they want, which is why they're at my seminar. (laughs) So I would just do that like quick little pop. And the dog kind of shakes their head and they're like, whoa. And then they come zipping back to me and I'm like, hey, yeah, like I exist here. And look, oh, boom, food. Oh, wow. Who's this guy? And then we go into a heel and now they're looking at me and I, I draw back and now they're jumping towards me and they're excited. So you have to have that balance of engagement because you're not just going to get an uh-huh. animal that's eight months and go outside wow. in a busy environment and say like, hey, pay attention to me. They're like, chop liver, you know? Mm-hmm. The same thing with humans. Like it takes a lot to, you know, break my attention from what I'm doing sometimes, but I don't know. That's, that's what I would recommend is don't be so in like a tunnel vision because you, because it's harder. Like I would be changing directions. You go one, two, three, boom, inside turn, take your left leg and cut them off. Um, Uh and then you would do some drawbacks and then you would do some, some outside turns and, um, just get really creative with, hey, pay attention to me. Like I am the valuable thing out here. And you're going to mm-hmm. have to work against reality, squirrels and chipmunks mm-hmm. and birds and bicycles and other dogs. And it's going to be challenging in the beginning because you're not pre- – you're you're really not prepared for those things because that's a, that's a higher level of obedience. And in those situations, mm-hmm. instead of asking the dog to heal past a dog – when you just started teaching the heel under those circumstances or context, it's sometimes in your best interest to just say, okay, break. And then just take a couple pieces of food and throw it in the grass next to you. And the dog can scatter feet over there. So that way you're not, cause dog owners get really frustrated. They're like, okay, we're not really good on heel yet. We don't know it yet, but Hey, you know, I, I don't have a big place to practice this in. So we have to go outside and there's a heavy distraction. So instead of uh-huh. trying to, go after go past that other dog or go past that whatever um you can heal up to that point and once you see the dog start getting really stimulating you're like 
it's not fair for me to ask this heel right now. This is this is way too much. Yeah. You just yeah. you you flash the dog some food, like ooh, and then, and then you just take you just kind of have kibble, and it's called scatter feeding, and you just kind of throw it on the ground, and then oh, okay. you have like eight to ten pieces of food on the ground, and the dog can sniff, and they're searching, and their tails wagging, and then boop, the dog's gone, and then you give them a break for the next fifteen to twenty seconds or thirty seconds or whatever tickles your fancy, and then you say, "Hey, Junie, heel," and they're like, "Okay," so you're avoiding the situation but it's going to be constructive avoidance because the dog simply isn't set up for that now in the future if you have a trained dog and you're avoiding situations that just means that your training is probably not as good as you think it is and you need to mm-hmm. do better so yeah for sure okay that helps a lot because that's a big problem for me too okay mm-hmm. this has been so great I know you say all these things in your videos and seminars, but it's different. <laughs> it's like one-on-one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only other thing I would add uh, to you if you wanted, I don't know if you want to use the remaining time, but if you wanted to handle her uh, and so I can see how you're handling her with your slip mm-hmm. leash, I can I can give you some pointers if you'd like, just because we have some, a little bit awesome. of time, um, because there's a lot of situations where, in theory, it's like, oh, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, oh, if your dog barks, just tell them no and they'll stop. Or, you know, it's the same exact thing when you're handling. It's just easier said than done. So if you want to yeah. just handle her a little okay. bit, I can kind of walk you through things. I don't think I have the pop down yet. And P.S., I have the... Um your dog trail remote collar. I haven't, and I have your course. I just haven't cool. started. Yeah, that'll be helpful. Um, okay. And she's like chewing on it. Okay, sit. Sit. Good, sit. Wait. So there. Sit. See what I'm saying? Like, just for an ex- yeah. just for an example, is uh-huh. when you said sit, like, and she got up, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have moved, like I wouldn't have put the leash back on I would have that's where that patience comes in so you go sit Uh, she puts her butt on the ground you like literally move two inches to her and she's like I'm up so uh that right there is exactly what I'm talking about that little thing where you're like hey Junie I want you to put your butt on the ground and then the moment you you as a human just flinch she's like we're done Uh uh-huh those are things so here's what I would do So instead of asking her to sit because you know that she's not set up, we were just talking about this with the heel. She's not, she does, she doesn't, she's not going to just sit there no matter what you do. You touch her on her chest, you touch her on her head, you touch her ears and she's just sitting there because she's like, I know sit, I'm really good at obedience. I listen to mom perfect. She doesn't have that. So instead of setting her up for failure, I would just Mm -hmm. put the slip leash on. Then you can ask her to sit because at least, at least if, and when she gets up after that, you can hold her accountable. Okay. Yeah. Stay. Stay. So good stay instead of stay again. Wait. So pressure up back into a sit. There you go. Okay. Stay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, give her a little break. Break. Okay. So can you... Can you hear me okay? Yep. So like right there, you did three different things or two, uh-huh. two at least. Um, so when you, when you told her to sit and stay, don't – like what you did is you said sit, you said stay, 
and when she was staying and sitting, like you told her to stay again. And that is very instinctual. You probably had no idea that you did it. But again, you okay. want to you want to create that clarity with her. So when, uh-huh. when you tell her to sit and you tell her to stay and then you go and you put your leash on her and you're like, stay, you're, she's like, I'm already, what, what, what's the deal? Like, this is confusing. Yeah. I'm already staying. So replace that stay with good stay. If you want to say uh-huh. something to reinforce it, like, hey, you're doing good, just say good stay. And then- uh-huh. And then you threw in a weight, which is like, Uh (laughs) it was like completely um, left field there. So just make sure like Uh when you're, when you're telling her or asking her to do stuff, like these are those little tiny things that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you're like, Hey, sit, stay. And she's like, okay. And you're like, stay. She's like, now I'm confused. That's where, that's where that frustration is going to come in. It's like, Hey, pick up the pen. You pick up the pen. And I'm like, Hey, pick up the pen. You're like, okay, well then what's the pen if this isn't it? And I'm like, Oh no, that, that is it. So just make sure like those little tiny things. So why don't you, um, I would try to keep the, keep the leash like a little bit when she's doing this, you can just yank it out of her mouth and tell her no, no, wait for her to grab it again. If she no. does leave it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Good, good, good. Good. No, good. No. Good yeah. No. Boom. Good. See that? Hey girl. You see how that works? Uh-huh. So, so she's grabbing the leash cause she's fresh. She's like, she's picking on you. She's like, Hey, Hey. And she's so used to getting this like stimulated rise out of you where you're like, you don't, you need to be more assertive. You need to be more, don't get, um, I, I, I don't, <laughs> don't get like um, uh, emotional about it. If that makes sense. Uh, like, yeah, you know, with your tone of voice, you're like, you don't get frustrated where you're like, leave it or no, or don't like that will then become like, she's like, ah, that's what she's looking. She's looking for that rise out of you. She's looking for that. Um, I don't know how else to explain it, but that's just what it is. She's just picking yeah. it up. So that was a perfect example of she grabs the leash. You go, no. And you yanked it out. And then, uh-huh. so what I saw is she looked at you and then she's like, well, okay. And then she put her, <laughs> and then she sat down mm-hmm. and then that's where you would be like, good, no, or good, leave it. However you want to mark that. But that was perfect. Yeah. But that's exactly what I'm talking about is she was doing something and you made it uncomfortable by yanking it out of her mouth and you said no. Uh-huh. And then she sat down and she's like, okay. But if you, if you were to do what you let her do before, where you're kind of like grabbing it and you're like. You're like, don't stop or what? I don't know what you would do, but just in general, again, like that's how dog owners, they're like, they're trying to emotionally like talk to the dog, but really it's your actions that matter because dogs don't understand English. They don't, when you, you you can't talk in sentences and the dog's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, oh, you're busy and you're late for a meeting and and you got to like, there's, there's all these complexities. So anyway, um, yeah, if you want to go through some other stuff you can, but I mean, I'm just pointing out like very clearly like very yeah. quick things there nope that makes sense and I, I i can take that um and apply it kind of all the way around yeah cool. yeah all right you guys you've reached the end of the podcast thank you so much for listening hopefully you found some insightful valuable information as you were listening now i'm going to get into your 
three questions here. First one comes from Mary Powell, five-star review. Hi, Tom. I recently adopted a four-month-old Malinois Karma. She is six-month-old now, and she's doing amazing with basic obedience. She knows lay down, place, heel, walking, heel, weight, no jumping, spin, weave through my legs, and come. She would do all these things 100% of the time in the house with or without distractions. I am working on taking her into new environments to train these commands with small distractions, which she also is doing very well on. But we are having some behavioral issues that I'm not quite sure how to approach. I have listened to your podcast and watched a lot of your YouTube videos and understand that I need overall obedience 100% trained in order to really tackle these behavioral issues. But since these issues are happening at home, I'm wondering if there's anything I'm doing now to start helping with the situation. I live with three other people, my boyfriend, my brother, and his girlfriend. Karma is very comfortable with my boyfriend, but I am having issues re with resource guarding me around my brother and his girlfriend. Anytime they walk into a room, they come down the stairs or move around where she can she can visibly see them. She goes absolutely bonkers, barks aggressively, and runs and lunges at them at the same time. She will not do this in the kennel, so I'm not sure. So I'm sure the issue is, has something to do with our relationship. When this behavioral stop happening, I've tried multiple things to stop it. I've tried furniture. I've tried further move her away, redirecting the sit command. I've tried my brother and his girlfriend treats to give to her. I've tried throwing the treats near away from them. I've tried doing leash corrections with a little pop. I try my best to stay calm in situations like this, but find it hard sometimes to end up having to put her in the kennel to walk away, and it's frustrating. Okay, so basically the dog is reacting to two people that are living in the house, and it's only happening um, when she's next to the owner, which means the dog might be resource guarding the owner because out of the context of the dog being away from the owner, the dog doesn't bark at the same people. So people walk down the stairs, the dog is standing next to the owner, the dog barks. The same people walk down the stairs, the dog is in the other side of the room, in a kennel, doesn't bark at all. So could be, yeah, could be resource guarding, could be uh, confidence with you, could be a mixture of things. Um, you know, it sounds like you're doing everything right. So I would say that if you're, if, if on the, if on paper, air quotes, you're doing everything right, there's a good, there's a good chance that just the way that you're doing it is not. So if you're facilitating all the things that you need, which means maybe you have all the tools to build the house, but you're not swinging the hammer right, then you're certainly not going to drive the nail. So you know, I know that this is a frustrating answer for you, but the reality is, is there's a very, 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 very high likelihood, very high likelihood that you're just not doing anything right. Uh, when you're correcting the dog, uh, the, you know, there's so many variables that go into it. I mean, look at all the, look at all of the videos I have of people saying, Oh, I correct. And, and then I'm like, Nope, that's that, that does, that didn't work. Um, so it could be everything from the leash positioning, what you're using for a leash, what collar you're using, where the collar's placed, what size of the collar is, where the dog is in position to where you are, what uh, how long your leash is, how tight the leash is when you correct, what you're saying, how you're doing it. There's so many variables that go into if you're trying to correct your dog and your dog simply isn't snapping out of it, there's just a really great chance you're not doing it right. Now, there is some variances there to some degree with certain dogs. Um, the next couple of videos that we have filmed and queued up uh, are definitely going to be able to showcase that um, because there's just certain dogs who you have to get really creative with to figure out how to let them know what they're doing is wrong. So I would just say like a couple of pointers is set this up in a scenario where you are downstairs with karma. 
your whatever collar you're using is nice and snug right behind her ears. You're nice and relaxed. They come down. She starts to react. You guys are standing up. You immediately correct her and tell her to leave it. Oftentimes what people do is they sit down on the couch, they put the dog in front of them, the collar is sliding down their neck, uh, the, the, the collar is already tight, we're going leave it, leave it, leave it, we're doing all the wrong things. So again, that's like the hard thing with what I do is I think that the majority of you guys listening or people who watch my videos understand like, okay, these are these are some things that I'll need to get the job done, but there's also a lot of handling and technique and skill set and experience to some degree that's going to have to go in to some dogs. Some dogs are going to be a little bit easier. Some people are like, hey, man, I mean, just look at the reviews in the podcast and in the comments in the YouTube page. It's like, hey, man, um, you know, my dog was pulling. I invested into a prong collar and it changed my whole life. Thank you so much. Boom. You know, or there's there's situations where the dog isn't that easy to train and that may be what you're dealing with. So uh, I would love to to see what's going on. If you want to book a consultation with me and send me over some footage, I'd be able to point out all the things that you may be doing wrong and also give you some advice on how to get better. Just like you guys listened into this podcast about very basic things. I mean, again, this is a podcast where I literally was talking to somebody for an entire hour on how to train and it's like, okay, got it. And then the immediate first 30 seconds, she got her dog out. She made three critical mistakes, even though we all, we just talked about everything. So, and that's not to her fault. It's just, there's a lot of, granule situations that you also have to be aware of that may be happening. So in your head, I understand like, oh, I'm doing everything right, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing everything. I've tried everything. But at the same time, like if you're trying things and you're still not getting results, it's just because you haven't found the piece that you're missing. And that's that's really what it comes down to. It's like that with anything in life, with success and business or anything. It's like you're trying, you're trying to make it work, make it work. It's not happening. It's not happening. You could, we could kind of sit back and make, oh, woe is me. I tried everything. Nothing works. This, you know, is frustrating. Or you can say like, hey, I must not be doing something right. So to me, it sounds like you're on paper doing everything right, but you're, you're really likely not if you're doing all those things. I'd love to, unfortunately, I'd have to see what's going on. So it's a good question. Hope that helps. Next one, J. Ray, 1996. Five-star review, very informative. I love this podcast. I follow him on TikTok and Instagram. I have a very reactive dog, and this helps put things into perspective how to train better. My question for Tom would be, my, my dog is two years old. He's a healer mix and used to bring him everywhere with me, but I can't remember when it got to this point. But he gets very nervous riding in the truck, and it seems I've tried to put him in a crate, and it got worse. He squeaks, as I call it, or he paces back and forth. I've tried using an e-collar to use the pager on him. I would uh, have treats handy for when he is calmer to reward him. But as we get back home, he's calm and seems to do better on the highway. What more can I be doing? Um, it you know, there's a couple different things. First of all, I think the pager is probably going to be a little too much. The pager for me, and if you listen to anything that I do, uh, I, I haven't really talked about the pager in any other way other than using it as an intervention. Like if your dog is doing something uh, dangerous um, to them or the people around them, aka trying to bite people, being aggressive, reactive, etc., that's when the pager comes in. So using it for your dog getting anxious driving in the in a vehicle. I wouldn't be doing just because I think that'll make it worse. So there's that. So with Lakota, uh, like for an example, I don't crate her every single time I put her into my truck. Uh, sometimes she's up front, you know, if I'm going to the store, whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, juggling around a, a car seat and whatever. She's not always in the crate. So, which I know isn't always the safest, but 
uh, obviously we try to put it in our crate, you know, when we can remember or when it's just applicable. So anyway, so for us, it's like when I get her, like when I get on the road, she'll be a little anxious and she'll kind of spin and she'll, she'll be a little anxious until I get on the highway. Cause she knows that there's, there, there's like turns and she's like kind of sloshing around a little bit, which is why we suggest crating dogs. But, um, so, so there's, that is just like, sometimes when you're going through town, the dog can get a little bit more anxious because, uh, once you get on the highway, you're going straight and you're not turning. So that's why dogs like when they get on the highway, like you said, they kind of page, they, they settle down and lay down. Um, but also too, there's a maturity thing. Like you said, like all of a sudden your dog started doing this. So could have been a maturity thing. Dogs change just like humans do. So, Hey, why is my 10 year old kid not interested in Barney anymore? It's like, well, because they're not a kid anymore. So it's the same interest of like some dogs will hop in, pass out. And then as they get older, it may change. They may get bigger. They may see things differently, may feel things differently. They may hear things differently. So, um, I guess you have to really figure out, like for me, (laughs) this would not be like, I, I know you're trying to fix it or you're trying to not have it happen because it wasn't happening before. But for me, I would not think twice about this. I put the dog in the truck and as I'm riding and they're like kind of nervous, kind of nervous, we get the highway, boom, they lay down. That's it. That's there's, there's that, that's, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be going too crazy on this. I wouldn't be correcting it because dogs are just very, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to tell you how they feel. And there's certain situations. Like if I have a dog that's trying to kill somebody, I'm going to intervene and be like, that's that you can't ever feel like that. That's going to get you killed. But when you have a dog that's anxious or nervous and they're like, Hey, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. Okay. Now I'm good. Like you're just gonna have to wait for that comfortability to set in again. Like obviously the crate is the safest thing. If you're worried about safety, uh, I would just like, you know, Hey, this is your crate. There's your mat. Get in there and that's it. But again, it's like pleasure over pain type thing. Um, then the enjoyment of bringing your dog anywhere is now not an enjoyment for either of you. Cause she's crying and panting and spinning and barking and then she's nervous. So the whole thing sucks. So you just have to like work out what's important to you. And then, like I said, at the end of the day, for me personally, if I got into the truck and my dog paced around a little bit until I got on the highway, I would just ride that out until you get there. Um, or just, you know, Hey, maybe I'm not going to the highway. I'm just going to go run out and run some errands. Maybe your dog just would rather stay home. So just got to read the room a little bit. Good question though. Alrighty. Next one is Margaret and Matt. Five-star review, A-plus content. I'm learning so much. Thank you so much. My wife and I just brought home a rescue mix breed, like a Southern style healer mix. She's seven months old and lovely at meeting new people and super, super trainable. We thought we were off to a good start when she suddenly lunged and nipped our three-year-old, our three-year-old's few days in. We sent her to a board and train while she took a breather to decide what to, what to do next. I looked out. The board and train follows your methods pretty much to the core with accountability, slip collar, and praise, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So while she was there for two weeks being evaluated and trained, I devoured your content. She came home, and we are now tra- trying to take things slower to give her a fair chance of success. We decided that she would first be created in the main living room for the first week whenever our toddler was free, but she could not observe him. I... It sounded rough, but it really only was about three hours a day, but a little and a little bit more on the weekends. She gets training and lets out four to five times a day, 40 minutes of heel walking, and I'm just drilling her with place, so drilling her with obedience. Um, just gosh darn it, listen, just listen to me so I don't have to ship you off again. <laughs> That's what he's saying to the dog. So she hasn't had a day when she hasn't growled. She hasn't had a day when she hasn't growled after locking eyes with him during the first week home. 
They can interact briefly without incident outside the house, but again, I'm guarding her from failure and making a brief with strict rules. This is really getting long, and honestly, I just wish I could have got an hour to talk, but for now, what do you think the next step is for integration? I feel like to work through this with this correction, I have to put my toddler at risk, which is so hard and correction never feels like one and done solution unless rattlesnakes like Cody's ranch, apparently. Congrats on your little one. I wish you the best of luck. Um, reading stories like uh, such a – yeah, okay. So you have a dog that you adopted, seven months old. You get home. You also have a three-year-old toddler. You're, um, she lunged and nipped our three-year-old uh, within a few days. So a couple things is – I recently had been asked to put together a video for um, Albany Med, which is uh, Albany's the capital of New York, and that's a big hospital. And they had asked me to put together a bite prevention video for, I'm assuming, new parents or parents in general, because they have had like eight bites this last week, just to, just alone, and it just keeps piling up. So I've been thinking about how I'm going to do this and some advice I would give, and you know, I think. We, we went over this in the podcast recently um, on the video. I haven't released it yet with my staff, but um, t- okay, I'm I'm going to be obviously honest because that's the only thing that's going to help you, but also get straight to the point is there's a really great chance your dog doesn't like kids and that's never going to change. Great chance, huge chance. So you have to then decide how you want to live your life. And for me, it would be, uh, not an easy decision, but it would be like, even with Lakota, my dog now, I trust her with people. I trust her with my son, but as my son gets older, I'm going to be constantly watching what happens and watching her language and watching what he does. And so I don't know the context of the nip or the bite, but under any circumstances as a human being and as a professional trainer, uh, having an expertise in behavior, I wouldn't let any toddler go up to a dog that you weren't a hundred percent on. And even if you were like, even with me, like I'm a hundred percent on Lakota, but Lakota's also never had a toddler going up and trying to take food out of her bowl or crawling up to her crate while she's eating or crawling up to her while she's laying on her bed or going up to her and trying to pet her while she's drinking water or try to go take a bone from her. So understanding that I am also going through these things as, as, as I have a newborn son or he's going to be six months this week, I think. So maybe not newborn anymore, but a young feller. And as he develops and crawls and walks and things, I am not going to let him do certain things. And I don't care how well trained my dog is. I don't care how much I trust my dog. There's just things I wouldn't, what, what's the point? It's like, oh, that's a bull. You're not going near there. Oh, the dog's eating in the other room because, you know, you're a kid. So so under the circumstances, like there's so many preventable bites that happen. I would say I don't want to give a percentage because I'm not in that field, but uh, I am understanding that the majority of bites out there are so freaking preventable. It's, it's, just, it's, it's disheartening um, because a lot of dogs, unfortunately, get put down. Uh, a lot of dogs um, get into the shelter a lot of dogs go um you know whatever it's just kind of shitty so i would just say like um you know as you're developing and as you're working um and you're 
kind of working through these kinks. Obviously, your obedience is going to be enormously important. So just making sure that as you have your child and as you have your toddler and you're working around certain things, like it's important for you to be able to have that control. So your toddler's walking around, crawling around, whatever your toddler's doing, and you need to have the control. But at the same time, like healers just aren't great. (sighs) Healers are more prone to having more incidences with kids, I would say, strictly because of their genetics and their wiring. Like they want to herd, they want to chase, they want to nip, they want to move things around, um, and they may not be suitable for kids or they may not be good with kids. And that's that's hard. It's not your guys' fault because, you know, even from a shelter or foster's point of view, you know, if you have a dog that's great with people, they don't also have a bunch of kids running around as bait either. You know, they're not going to say like, oh, yeah, we have three and four year olds running around all the time and this one's good and this one isn't. That's not fair to anybody. So it's difficult because they're going to say, yeah, it's great with people and they are. But your job is to understand and, and not to be naive to be like, well, this is also a dog that's never potentially been around kids. And so you just have to double down the hatches and and really put in the work to manage these situations in order for it to be successful. So I don't, I just don't think again, like this is a, this is literally like me answering a comment on Instagram, which obviously you guys, um, you know, are writing longer questions and obviously more devoted to learning more things instead of, you know, commenting, I should say. So anyway, so my point is, is there's not a lot of context. There's not a lot of back and forth. There's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of I don't knows, you know. So, but this dog is young enough to probably never been around kids. Also looking at the bite, I don't know what it was. I don't know how severe it was, but understanding that a dog's first response when they're nervous is, is likely to run. And if they don't run, or if they're not the type of dog to run is to nip, to try to correct the thing away from them, which happened. And so, you know, dogs are so powerful, they can break bones on instant. Um, the fact that that didn't happen, it doesn't sound like, you know, is a decision by the dog too. So I think just advocating both for your child and for your dog is the best thing to do. And to be honest, like, unless I have more context of the situation, or even not, like, you have you have a couple options. The one option is you manage the way you are, dog is away from the child, until the child gets older and Maybe the dog gets a little bit better because they realize, oh, you're like when when we brought Banks home, my son, Lakota didn't know as a person. She was so confused. She was terrified of this thing until he maybe, I don't know, started smelling more like a human or sounding or looking like a human or whatever it was. I don't know. But my point is, is sometimes um, as humans get older, they're like, oh, you're a human. I'm okay with you. So, um, but, but until then, like, you have to manage the situation and make sure that they're not put up, put into situations that's going to fail them. And that's not, uh, an abnormal living situation for families. It's inconvenient, but it's not abnormal and it's, it's, it's responsible and okay for you to do because you're going to say, Hey, we have a dog that, uh, and, and I don't know how Lakota is going to react as soon as my son starts to crawl and walk and whatever. And we plan on getting another dog, um, possibly next year as well. So, you know, there's all these different variables, but those are your options is you manage the situation to say like, hey, dog's not going to be around toddler. And if we're coexisting in the same space, the obedience on the dog is great. The control on the dog is better. 
Um, and so like if you're hanging out on the couch and the dog is like free roaming, that's probably fine if you're just hanging out with the kid. Cause I don't think this dog wants to like go up and attack this kid. I just think if the kid walks up to the dog or makes a fast move towards the dog, there's a problem. So I think you just have to like spend some time figuring out what it is, because if your dog can coexist with this child with zero incidences and zero problems, as long as the kid isn't walking up or touching the dog, that's normal. I think that that's fair. It's like, I, then you, then you're fine. Then you just say like, Hey, this is how we're going to live or you get rid of the dog. That's it. You know? So it's, it's, but, but again, like there's so many variables that go into that, um, that I would have to like see and hear, uh, you know, just to give you more context. I'm not saying that, but I just think as a scale, like, I don't think this dog is going to end up liking this kid until this kid start acting, acting and looking more like a, a more young adult and the dog's young enough to where that could happen. You could see that evolution and that maturity, but yeah. So anyway, uh, good questions, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to ask your dog training questions, and I'll answer them next week. All right. If I don't talk, let's see. This is going to come out today, Wednesday. So yeah, Monday. We'll talk to you guys Mondays. But have a merry, 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 merry Christmas. Be safe. Do not put your dogs into situations, please. There's so many dog bites on Christmas because people just get carried away with like, and it is, it's a magical day. It's a special day. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, tradition that families spread and and celebrate all over the world and Hanukkah and all the other uh, holidays that are around this time. And everyone is moving and grooving and just kind of being naive to like, oh, this is great. It's Christmas morning. Everybody loves each other. The dog doesn't give a shit. Remember that. The dogs don't care about holidays. They don't care about the bows and the stockings and the and the cinnamon buns and the fireplaces. They will bite somebody because you turned your back and you thought, oh, it's Christmas. This won't happen. They don't care. They don't know. Remember that. All right, you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Be safe.